0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, it's Memorial Day, the unofficial start of the holiday season, the tourist season, and that greatly increases the likelihood that you may see a Missouri state license plate <laughs> with its distinctive Show Me State nicknamed and across the top. And it's not that Missouri is filled with a whole state full of Doubting Thomases. No, it's actually the inverse of our sermon title, Seeing, at least in Missouri, is believing. It is a fundamental post Enlightenment approach to life. What is true is what can be seen and handled and touched and scientifically examined. That's what's really real. Well, I went to seminary in Missouri, so show me. Or to quote Nicodemus from our gospel lesson, how can these things be? Well, the simple answer to the question is by water and the Spirit. But there's a whole lot to unpack in this text before we can get there. In fact, I was tempted to title this sermon Relearning John 3.16, but I thought better of it. It's also Trinity Sunday, and the text lends itself to our examination of the roles of the three persons of the Trinity in our salvation: by water and the Spirit. So we begin with the third person, with the Spirit. Did you notice the close parallels between verses 3 and verse 5? Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Both speak about being born one from above and then born by water and the spirit. Both are connected to the kingdom of God, one first in order to see it and then in order to enter the kingdom of God. And both contain key phrases that we need to take a little time and unpack. First, born again, a very popular phrase in American Christianity, though likely not in the way that Jesus is using it here. Born again in popular usage is about my birth. It's about me. It's about how and when I came to faith. It's about finding my personal Jesus, becoming a disciple, a real disciple, not just the lip service thing. It's inviting Jesus into my heart. Well, to be born, I hate to tell you, is obviously passive. Yet we almost always try to wiggle some little room for me in there. But the root word here, ganao, has very little to say about the child. It refers to the begetting of the father and the bearing of the mother. Not much room for me in there. But for this teacher of Israel, as Jesus calls him, for Nicodemus, most likely well-schooled in the Torah, the begetting of God would have rung, rung bells. Exodus 4, then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. Or maybe Deuteronomy 32 and Moses' rebuke, you were unmindful of the rock that bore you and you forgot the God who gave you birth. In an Old Testament context, the beginning of the father is connected to name and lineage, heritage and inheritance. It points to cause more than effect. The Old Testament goes to great lengths to preserve the name. There's the Levitical marriage, raising up a son for a dead brother through his widow to preserve his brother's name. There's the kinsman redeemer who purchased the land of an impoverished relative in order that it might be returned to the family, to the name at the Jubilee. And then there's that little adverb, anothen. It can be translated from above, hence born from above, and not necessarily born again. John uses Anothen five times in his Gospel. The other four are clearly spatial and not temporal. So instead of born again, it's popular usage, the thrust of this passage, starting from verse 3, is better understood as begotten from above. And the double meaning that goes with that text is obviously apparent in Nicodemus, who gets the question wrong, right? How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter his second time into his mother's womb and be born? And every mother here said, no way, Jose. (laughs) Jesus' answer, though, becomes the seed of doctrine for Christian baptism. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and a spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. Behind both verse 3 and verse 5 stands Jesus' own baptism in the Jordan River. Still dripping with baptismal water, the scene graphically depicts both the begotten from above and by water and the Spirit. As John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, that is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. As we confess, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God. It's really necessary to recognize the epoch-changing event that Jesus' baptism was and is. If Nicodemus is to see the kingdom of God, he must start by looking here. Jesus being marked as the new Israel. Jesus in the Jordan is Israel reduced to one. What has gone before is only preamble. God called forth his Son through the Red Sea. Now God calls forth the new Israel in the person of its only begotten from the Jordan. William Reiner writes, Now to Nicodemus, Jesus locates the removal, renewal of Israel in his own baptism. If Nicodemus is to recognize Jesus as the true Israel and become his follower, that is to become a member of the new Israel of prophetic fulfillment, then Nicodemus must undergo the baptism of Jesus. Close quote really a key to understanding this passage is recognizing the Old Testament to New Testament transition that underlies just about everything Jesus has to say in this text. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We tend to hear this text as our Greek forefathers in philosophy, particularly Plato, would have heard it describing a two-part reality, the physical that can be seen and touched, and the spiritual, that which is really real. But more likely, Jesus' reference here is the covenant of the flesh, the Old Testament covenant, the circumcision of the flesh that marked the sons of Abraham. This, of course, was Nicodemus's claim to the kingdom. He surely would have seen this as the hope of Israel. But Jesus is now the new Israel. And by contrast, that which is born of the Spirit The Spirit. Notice the correct editorial capitalization. Born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. This is the new covenant in Jesus' baptism. But also in the Supper. And also in his death and his resurrection. Jesus will speak of his own death in verses 14 and 15. We are baptized into that death, according to Paul in Romans 6, to participate in the death of Christ is to be begotten from above. And in the removal of sin, one sees the merciful rule of God. The beginning from above is the descent of the Spirit. By water and the Spirit, a new child of God is brought forth, conceived in the love of God, and renewed through the removal of sin. You are mine, the triune God declares at the font. What is true of Christ is now true of you. David says in the Spirit, in Psalm 2, The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. We normally understand that text as a Christological text, as Jesus declaring those words. But what is true of Christ is also true of you. You are God's son and daughter, begotten today. And as a consequence of this, we believe and therefore we see the kingdom of God through the eyes of faith. And now we can return to Nicodemus' show-me question where we started. How can these things be, he wants to know. That's his reaction to the imagery that Jesus uses in verses 7 and 8. Do not marvel what I say to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. We usually understand, as I was explaining to the kids, It's a parable or an illustration depicting the mystery of the spirit working, or better, the mystery of divine beginning. But let's look a little closer. The wind blows. The word wind also means spirit and breath in both Greek and Hebrew. Throughout the section, the word has clearly been referring to the spirit with a capital S. Do we necessarily shift here? The word translated sound is also the word for voice. And while the word blow can also be translated as breath. Perhaps a better way to read the text is the spirit breathes where he wills and you hear his voice. But you do not know where he comes and where he goes. Jesus is speaking about the freedom of God in his work of mercy and grace. And so Jesus continues to confront the unbelieving and unseeing Nicodemus, so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. This may be a contrast between the Spirit who gives, comes from above, and the one born of the Spirit. It is certainly a challenge to Nicodemus to believe and in believing to see the Spirit in action. One begotten from the Spirit hears the voice of the Spirit in the words of Jesus. And knows that he is the Son sent from the Father. There is another contrast between Old Testament and New Testament that gets lost in verses 11 and 12. If you take a look in your bulletin, notice the abrupt shift to plurals. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. So who's the we? That Jesus suddenly lists as a witness with him. His words actually echo those of the Baptists back in chapter one, and also Jesus' later response to the Jews in chapter five, where we read, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who will accuse you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. So if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. And then verse 12 is particularly interesting. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, actually, the form there to tell is ambiguous. Jesus very likely is continuing the plural subject. If they, namely Moses and the multitude of Old Testament witnesses, and now John and Jesus himself told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I, and now he shifts back to the singular, You heavenly things. It may not be a vertical contrast between earthly things and heavenly things, but rather a horizontal one between what you were told in the Old Testament and what the new reality of the new that I'm speaking to you right now. Old Testament type, New Testament antitype, prophecy and fulfillment right there before Nicodemus's eyes. Which brings us to the work of the Father famously in John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life This verse is commentary on the two preceding verses where again its Old Testament New Testament underlies the message As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life The text is rich in comparisons There's Moses lifting up and then God lifting up. There's the fiery serpents and then there's the judgment of God. There's the bronze snake and there's Jesus. There's the pole he's raised up on. There's the cross that Christ is going to be lifted up on. There's the act of seeing and there's the act of believing for physical life and eternal life. But there's one more hidden in the Greek which captures the work of the Father. The Spirit is lifted up. And so is the Son. Yet hupsa'o, to lift up, also means to glorify and to exalt. The work of the Father, to glorify his name through his Son. John chapter 12. Now is my soul troubled, Jesus prays. And what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Precisely in, precisely on the cross. We see the exaltation of the Son and the glorification of the Father's name. Believing is seeing that glory that gives eternal life. And eternal life is not something that replaces our earthly life. Rather, it is that which qualifies our present life as a life that comes from God, And so is a gift. Spirit-wrought faith brings us into the kingdom of God, now and for eternity. Amen. And may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. We continue with the Athanasian Creed on page 8. Would you please stand?